Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, Today, Augie is off mic. He's in the room, but he's off mic because we have a special guest today with us. This is Hillary Miller. She is the scholarly communications librarian here at VCU. And that means that she knows all the things about copyright and open access and all that other kind of stuff. She specializes in helping students and professors access those materials and find ways to publish in those kinds of materials. So welcome, Hillary. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And you are going to help me get on a postage stamp, right? Because I want to be on a postage stamp. So how do I do that? All right, so you want to be on a postage stamp. Well, there are some criteria that are set out these days. There's a whole committee that actually sits around and makes these decisions. And you can submit yourself to them uh, if you're interested. Uh, They're called the Citizen Stamp Advisory Committee. Very prestigious, very exciting work, I'm sure. Actually, it does sound kind of fun. The more I researched this, the more I was like, I want to be on that committee. <laughs> my my grand, I feel like my grandparents would be really proud. It's just this like prestigious American institution. Um, and you meet a lot of the criteria, actually. I'm so fabulous. You're fabulous, yeah. So you're American. That is good. That's helpful. Uh, you have to have some kind of impact, significant impact on America um, and have a widespread national appeal and significance. So I feel like the podcast is kind of like building your national profile. And, you know, once you get sort of widely recognized, uh, you could submit yourself and make a case. Um, <laughs> so, so far, the criterion are like me and Kim Kardashian <laughs> and like... Um, the Muppets, and, like, there's a whole bunch of people meet these criteria so far. So this is not super hard. I, I mean, to be well-known, to be infamous right. or famous, right? Like, mm-hmm. me, Kim Kardashian, and Ted Bundy all fit in this category so far. So so Ted Bundy, no. So it has to be positive. Uh, they're not going to put anything negative on a stamp. National disasters, uh, oh, okay. so well-known 9/11. serial killers. Uh, no, I, I don't think that 9-11 and other disasters like okay. that would be commemorated through a postage stamp. It's really supposed to hold up things that are good and great and cool about oh, okay. America. Fabulous. So, yeah. Um, so they are looking for people who have made extraordinary and enduring contributions to American society or history or culture. But here's Ooh, here's the That's catch. where me and Kim fall out there. <laughs> Sorry. She might be making that, but I'm not. Okay. So the the other catch, uh, they are not currently, they say, considering anyone who is living. They don't put living people on postage stamps. You have to wait at least three years after someone dies, actually, to submit them for this. So please, please don't be in a hurry to get your face on a postage (laughs) stamp. Uh, I, yeah, me or Kim, actually. That that would not be good for either one of us. Yeah. Um, So, wow, you have to be dead. Do, so is that like, no. Let me back up and ask it in a different way. John McCain Mm -hmm. is considered by many to be an American patriot, Mm -hmm. served his country in Vietnam and in the Congress. He's been dead about six months. Can his family start to put him up for consideration now? Like, does it take three years to get Mm. that process through? Or is that... And I'm sure it wouldn't just be his family. There are many, many people right. who feel like right. he would he has served well and would be a positive um, person to put on a stamp. Yeah. 
So I think they say they won't consider it until three years. And oh, then okay. and then with the production, the where's the picture going to come from? Are they going to commission it? Are they going to have an artist do it? Are they going to take it from somewhere else? Do they need to get the rights to do that? It could be a few more years as well. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. this is not a zippy Nope. Zippy project. Okay, this is something that's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. So I probably don't have the patience to be on a stamp is also part of it. So, um, okay, so postage stamps are copyrighted, you said, because you just mm-hmm. said that they have to pay for the picture potentially if they're using someone else's art. Yeah, So, and that's actually how I even got into this podcast. I am not an expert on postage stamps or the Postal Service. Uh, I got into this because we were talking about copyright, and I said, hey, I found out this interesting thing about the post office. So yeah, you're right. So you work with a lot of government documents. Federal government works are generally almost never copyrighted. Um, And the reasoning behind that is that works created by the government should be freely available to those who are governed. Um, But there's a catch to that. So uh, there are some independent agencies that get treated differently. So they actually do get to keep their copyrights. And for the post office, it's interesting. It used to be a cabinet, you know, cabinet position, cabinet office. And in the uh, 70s, they moved over to being independent. And at that point, uh, they became uh, a copyright, you know, rights generating organization. Um, and that came into effect uh, in the late 70s after a, a copyright law renewal as well. So postage stamps that were released uh, 1977 and before are in the public domain. That's anything that is not protected by copyright. 1978 and after, they are protected by copyright. So they, I think they do even have some people on staff who create artworks. They commission artworks. Um, and yeah, that sometimes they even license their own postage stamps to other people. So if you want to put it on a t-shirt or a puzzle or something, you've got to go through the copyright office to get the rights to do that. Yeah, my parents do puzzles and I found one okay. that's, that's all stamps. It's a thousand piece and it's mm-hmm. all stamps, which it drove them massively crazy, which was part of my goal. But it's also really neat because they are a mixture of old stamps and relatively new stamps. And I'm mm-hmm. assuming that the, the puzzle company paid them to be allowed to do that. Yep, they get a, I think, you know, between 8 and 10% royalty they ask for on products that are sold with their postage stamps on it. So what goes on postage stamps? So it's gotten different over time, but from the beginning it was pretty much founding fathers, a surprising number of transportation-related things, so Pony Express riders <laughs> and trains and then steamships when those came out. And there was actually when Tell I was... Tell me that there's a series of cars. Are there cars? There are cars. Actually, so when I was when I was researching this, like, what has been on postage stamps? In the, in the 1980s and 90s, there was this whole transportation series. And I mean, like, every kind of transportation you could think of. So here's some. <laughs> a milk wagon, a circus wagon, a baby buggy, a dog sled, a tandem bike, a seaplane. I mean, they put, they covered, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe this was a collector transportation thing. If so. you could get from here to there, it's it was awesome. on a postage It was stamp. on a stamp. Mm-hmm. You said something about collectors just then. So collectors, I know there's a name for that. Yeah, phil- philatelist. Philatelist. And so they get stamps generally speaking, and mount them in some way where they are not, they have not had the postage. Right. They've not been stamped by the post office. Yes. But the rest of us slap a stamp on there and off it goes. And we don't really think about the copyright Mm -hmm. of it, right? Like we don't really think about who owns the image. Yeah. But as the, as the, as 
stamps became copyrighted. So how is it that I can own one Ah, if it's a copyrighted thing? Like, I mean, isn't that part of the whole issue of copyright is that I can't actually technically own that, although I own the stamps. Like, I buy them Mm -hmm. from, you know, the Mm -hmm. post office and I take them home. And if I never do anything with it, it's mine, mine, mine. Like, I didn't. So there's an idea in copyright. It's called the doctrine of first sale. So this works the same way with books. It's actually why we can loan books from the library. So once you own a physical object, a book, a stamp, even if it has a copyrighted image or a work or something in it, you own the object. So you get to do with the object what you want to do. So you can buy a book, you can get rid of it, you can give it to someone else, you can loan it out of a library. But what you can't do is make a copy of it. So you couldn't take your stamp and make a photocopy of it and you know, start selling your own stamps. Well, you definitely can't do that because that would be <laughs> very much even worse than copyright. Don't do that. Okay. Um, don't print your own money. <laughs> don't don't create your own stamps. Oh, I guess yeah. Um, I guess t- stamps are technically money. Which they are. Yeah. That would be that's mm-hmm. that's uh, what the secret service. That's the Department of Treasury, right? That mm-hmm. comes after you. It's and, just it's just straight although revenue I would generating, I yeah. would love to see somebody who printed thousands of stamps as their as their currency. That <laughs> seems like a really lame way to go about currency but okay so so you're not obligated to use the stamps that's why stamp collectors can keep them so can stamp collectors sell them in Mm. like those shows and stuff or is that one of those gray areas where the government says look a pterodactyl and they look off in a different direction because they don't want to know no they can sell them they can sell the objects all they want to especially really you know rare ones or things they can sell the object itself um but they can't, again, they can't make a copy of it. So, like, if you wanted to publish a book on stamp collecting, you'd probably need, need to go to the post office to get permission to, you know, reprint all those images of stamps, as long as they were, you know, 1978 and forward. So, and everything before that, you could just claim. You, you can do just, whatever you want with those. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you could make art out of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, for our art students, if you decide to make stamp art, mm-hmm. you could just buy a whole bunch of stamps and make it into something, but you can't alter the... You can't copy the image or alter the image, mm-hmm. right? Because it's oh, yeah. owned. the The rights to the image are owned. Yeah. I assume in perpetuity. Do they own them forever, or is this fall under that weird copyright thing where it's twenty years plus the length of time that somebody's alive? I don't even remember yeah. what it is. Like so, there's death and twenty years and other stuff involved in copyright. What I is? I guess they're treated as a corporation, so it's probably. Uh, Oh my gosh, what is that? It's, it's a little different. It's like the life of the creator plus another ninety years, or it's some. It's 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 a long time. Copyright lasts a really long time. So, so how do they get the images of famous people on there or mm-hmm. famous stuff on there? Like those images are often owned. We mm-hmm. mentioned earlier the Muppets. There was a Muppet series of, of stamps. I know because I loved them mm-hmm. um, when they came out. But the Muppets are an owned mm-hmm. corporation, so yeah. they just pay the corporation to put the. They do pay sometimes, but they don't pay much. So, um, and there is <laughs> what, actually. Like, hey, man, I'll give you five bucks if you'll let me put your picture on a stamp. I mean, is it. Yeah, they could. So they could. So a couple of ways they could commission new art. You know, they could they could make their own. But, uh, but oh, a stamp in my image, but not mm-hmm. actually an image of me. I see. Yeah. Okay. But if they. Uh, so, yeah. Th- so they do licensing. So there, there's a really interesting, actually, copyright story that I want to tell you Uh while, while I was doing this research, and it's where I'm getting a lot of my insider information about how the money and the copyright and things work in the copyright office. 
So the question about the post office and where they get their images from, there is a story that I want to tell you that I uncovered, that I discovered while I was um, working on the research for this podcast, and I thought it was really interesting, and it tied it all right back into copyright, which, you know, made me nerd out about it. So <laughs> you may have heard this story a couple of years ago. Um, it actually got some pretty um, extravagant mainstream coverage. So the Postal Service has this series of stamps that they've done several times of the uh, Statue of Liberty, different shots of the Statue of Liberty. And they're really popular. And it's a great patriotic image. It's something that, you know, people love to buy, people love to use. Oh, my parents bought a bunch of those. And they, yeah. So they went to this website, Getty, they went to Getty Images, which is just sort of a stock photo licensing site, and they found an image that they really liked close up of the face of the Statue of Liberty. And they got the rights to use that picture, you know, maybe a couple thousand dollars from Getty. And they normally, when you have like a picture of an artwork or a sculpture or something, you probably need to get the rights for that sculpture as well. But the Statue of Liberty is really old. It's in the public domain. It's not protected by copyright, even if it ever was, because the government uh, right. made it and well, gave it to another France government. Gave, right. France mm -hmm. gave it to us. So yeah, I, I doubt they said, and we have copyrighted yes. this thing for you. Or so for we yours. transfer the copyright to you in perpetuity. <laughs> no. Yeah, probably not. They probably just said, mm -hmm. here, take this big piece of copper. Mm -hmm. Enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure it was more dramatic than that. <laughs> but anyway. So they, they took this picture. They loved it. They put it on the stamp. They didn't have to pay much money for it. In fact, um, in the, I will spoil, the court case that resulted from this uh -oh. whole incident, they they said that they have never paid more than $5,000 for anyone, you know, for an, any kind of image. Um, oh, well, they then they're to never going to put Kim Kardashian on one if her estate can control the amount because yeah. that well, would be, they would record. I can't yeah. imagine the... Kardashian West estate settling for five thousand, but anyway, so they've never paid more than five thousand. No, for an and image. it's interesting that you mentioned that because they brought up some examples too. I think uh, Walt Disney was one, oh. and the Andy Warhol estate were two examples of ones where people didn't even—they didn't even ask for money for it because it's just such an honor. It's free PR to be put on a postage stamp. So you might be surprised that there are people who this is—they don't care about the money. It's just cool to That's have true. your face on a postage stamp. It would I mean, be would you would fabulous. you would you argue over five thousand oh, dollars if heck you were no. going to get on there? Yeah, I would. Want to be, I would want to be on the stamp doing something. I mean, like I would want it to be a flattering image. That's all I no. would want. I no. mean, of course, if I was dead, I probably wouldn't care. But, but barring that, I would want it to be a flattering image because that you know that's what you want and you want it to be your best yeah. you. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that I mean every stamp that I've seen, they they tend to be really quite pretty. Yeah, and that's why they picked this one of the Statue of Liberty, the close of the face. They said this is just it's beautiful, it's expressive, and it was also not the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> It was like a fake Statue of Liberty? It was the sculpture that's in Las Vegas. <gasps> no. Yeah. The one that's in New York, New York, or the casino? Uh -huh. I think that. Oh. So the artist, um, the last name was oh. Davidson, so he found out they'd been using this stamp, and it was his work, and he sued them. Um, and they had been selling this for I don't know how many years. They had sold nearly 5 billion stamps. And that was about $2 billion in sales. And so we talked about this, that, that mostly when you're buying a stamp, you are paying for the cost of postage. So most of the money that they got was put back into delivering the mail that was used for those stamps. But they were really popular. Collectors bought them. People bought them. And what happens when people buy stamps is there is this known percentage that they even talked about in this lawsuit of stamps that, um, that never get used or they just get lost, or the ones that are kept by collectors. And it's actually pretty, you know, they know about how many this tends to be. So that is actually just revenue and profit on top of it. So 
they go to trial, and the po- this is where you know the post office says, well, you know, we would have given him up to five thousand. We never pay more than five thousand for things. So <laughs> the plaintiff, uh, the plaintiff's lawyer team, the artist, and the defendant, the postal service, both bring, both bring in their expert witnesses on copyright and licensing and how much money is owed. So you will not be surprised to say that the Postal Service's expert witness said, oh, we we think about $10,000 is probably fair. Now, the artist <laughs> brought in an expert witness who calculated all of this, you know, what just just all sorts of math. And based on, you know, the, the ones that weren't sold and how much, you know, how popular it was, he said, actually, I think it should be about $53 million. Holy cow. Uh-huh. A little bit of a difference between those 10000 and $53 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the court settled, you know, somewhere in between $10,000 and $53 million, <laughs> and they awarded him $3.5 million from the post office. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I assume the post office paid it. I assume so, yeah. Because otherwise the co- post office would have to go to jail, mm-hmm. um, which would be embarrassing and sad. Yeah. So that's... But that's pretty unusual, right? That's pretty unusual. I mean, okay, yeah. so first of all, someone got fired over that because someone didn't find out where the actu- what the actual image was of. I guess so. I don't know if it, I don't know if anyone actually I mean, got fired. Really, for it. like you should research the image. So well, the you kind of wonder did Getty did Getty Images not for... have good metadata on their image that told you this is not the real Statue of Liberty? I don't know. Well, but even so, you'd think that the post office wouldn't just buy something off a website, like that they'd have some sort of contract. Mm-hmm. And someone didn't do their due diligence, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, just as a pretty image. And they mm-hmm. didn't think this might be the image of something that's not actually the image that we think it is. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting uh, um, corporate m- mismanagement, right? Mm-hmm. It's a corporate mistake. Yeah. That they made there that cost them dearly, mm-hmm. although not as dearly. I mean, they didn't. It didn't cost them anywhere near what they made, which is because there's that three billion figure you have there in the middle that they walked away with without without having to deliver mail for. So mm-hmm. they still came out pretty. They still came out pretty well. But do we know how much the post office makes on stamps every year? That's a good question. So I had a really hard time, and I will tell you, I was up rather late last night looking through their financial reports. Um, <laughs> You're such a librarian. I know. <laughs> and, and I couldn't find it out. So there's just a kind of lump reporting of revenue, and most of what they break down is like the revenue. You know, it, it's about the actual operations of running a post office. Some about their what the things they own that are like physical property, like buildings and that kind of stuff. Trucks but they I couldn't find a lot about their, you know, quote unquote intangible assets, their intellectual property. I found an interesting white paper all about how they're, you know, not utilizing their brand licensing enough and how people really love and trust the brand of the postal service. And so that is potentially, you know, a, a source of revenue or something or a source of, you know, an asset for them. But I couldn't find this information. Um, now, in this in this lawsuit, we mentioned puzzles earlier. They shared a little bit of information about some of that licensing that they do. So they take maybe 8 to 10 percent of profits from things that are sold with postage stamps on them. So that was puzzles. They mentioned a, a series of vintage metal signs that had some kind of postage stamps on them. Um, and that's but that's not a very that's probably not highly revenue generating, right? Because you're waiting for people to want to put it on a puzzle. You're hoping that people will buy the puzzle. I really think the real place that they're making money on stamps is when I, you know, stick a sheet in the back of my junk drawer and never use them or it falls down behind the furniture or, you know, it gets wet and I have to throw them out or something. 
or you don't use them until the price has gone up yeah. and then you can't use them without buying the one cent or the two cent and then you're like i'm just not going through mm -hmm. this and you throw them away because you can't be bothered mm -hmm. or you use two or three on a letter that you probably could have used one and a half on right mm -hmm. but you're trying to make sure that it gets where it's going but also do people send mail anymore i mean that's kind of a well, Amazon, though. Amazon is, I guess, one of their bigger customers now uh, for doing that sort of last-mile delivery They are, but I hear they lose doing. money on that, and I don't know quite as much about that, but I, I hear that you know they do a lot of Amazon delivery, and they end up losing some. So they're, they're definitely in financial straits. Now, they've actually, as I, you know, learning about this, they have done some um, feasibility or financial studies, profitability studies on postage stamps, and this whole, I don't know if it has as much to do with copyright as a way to license and generate revenue, but more about making stamps cool and popular so that maybe more people are going to want to go grab this new series or this new image. And and then a percentage of that, right, doesn't get used. It's just profit. So they've done these studies. There was a postmaster general, former postmaster general, uh, Benjamin F. Bylar. Um, he retired from that position, and then he became a member of this uh, citizen stamp advisory committee. Um, and he resigned in protest with a letter that became public. I don't think he made it public. Um, but he was really objecting to this idea that we're trying to make stamps profitable. We're trying to put, you know, he thought like too much pop culture, too much just pretty artwork and things on them <laughs> instead of really, you know, what makes America great, the great things about the United States, the famous people, the national sites and monuments and national parks and, you know, um, and he actually, a pretty, pretty great, pretty great quote, he referred to um, this push for profit seeking has led to, quote, an abundance of pretty and popular culture subjects. And he even went so far as to express it as prostituting their goal in pursuit of possibly illusory profits. <laughs> um, so I, I... Was he 900 years old when he said that? I, I mean... <laughs> Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, that sounds like, doesn't that sound like an it old did, guy? You kids get like, off my lawn with your <laughs> pretty stamps. And yeah. I mean, but the, the reality is that the post office has to compete. There are a lot of competitors mm -hmm. and standing out in whatever way you can. And mm -hmm. if that means popular figures or pretty images or, yeah. or images in a series, like I said, I bought the Muppet ones because they were cute. I don't There's even more, know if I've ever yeah. used them. There's another Muppet series coming out this year. It's all Sesame Street, and I'm so excited. Oh, I can't um, stand it. I'll have to buy them all. See? Yeah. And, that's, and then I'll have to put them away and forget that I own mm -hmm. them oh. because that's what happens with stamps. But yeah. also, isn't the post office one of the most trusted parts of government? Like, it's got a really high approval. I mean, when we talk about approval ratings, like, we can't even talk about Congress's approval rating or the president's approval ratings because they're always in the pits, right, relatively speaking. But I think the post office has this enormously high sort of we believe in the post office mm -hmm. kind of rating. So clearly yeah. it's working. So he mm -hmm. was just like a crazy old dude. Well, I... <laughs> No, I, mean, I, I like. I it like could, your it could quote, have been just a culture change. You know what I mean? Well, like, that's true. That's, we're not that's... just putting national monuments. We're putting Muppets on it. Although I will say, <laughs> Sesame Street, and and you know, they said this in their, you know, they called it one of the most influential and beloved children's shows. I mean, and that's true. Like it's, um, it's because it's a 50th anniversary, oh. and generations of children across the world have seen that show and learned from that show. So I think that's an example. I don't know what, because because he he's passed away. I don't know what he would think of that. You know, is this. Is this just pop culture or, or is this something moved, that is yeah. really enduring and impactful that have, America has produced? Have they moved into monument status by, mm -hmm. by sheer existence of yeah. and what they've done? You're right, educating mm -hmm. children across the world and yeah. 
I know that you mentioned to me something about they have, uh, they've done special Muppets in special parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. For children mm-hmm. who are under duress in various countries. I think you mentioned Syria. So, of course, that is the... That's part of what we perceive as American greatness is this Mm -hmm. idea that we reach out and we do for other countries and we try to help as much as we can, and And especially children. It's also a question I think it brings up who gets to decide what is great about America because that was the the phrase he used. You know, we want to highlight the things that are great about America. Who gets to decide? So I have this whole list here in front of me, which I'm not going to read to you, but it was sort of for (laughs) reference for me about what has been on postage stamps, right? So it, you know, it's founding fathers, it's great Americans, it's national sites and things. And you would not be surprised to know that it has never, it, it's not always been very diverse, right? So there have been a couple Ooh, of- shocking. I Wait, know. it's been yeah. mostly white folks? No, yeah. say it isn't so. Yeah. Okay, so- um, but it's got, are we are we changing that now? We are changing that. We've gotten you know more diverse over time, more representation of women and people of color and indigenous peoples. Um, and popular culture, I think, is another way of breaking down this idea that it's only things that are you know historic monuments or, or wars or whatever that we need to commemorate. Um, do although they commemorate a, the wars? Uh, they, they do. They have commemorated okay. some wars. Uh, the, the victory of the war, though, ah, you know, okay. not not the negative, but the victory of the war. So I think it's it's interesting. There's like points and counterpoints to this. Like one, you know, point he had. I saw, you know, last summer the post office released its very first scratch and sniff postage series for their summer <laughs> treat series or whatever. Um, so that's yeah, maybe gross. that's a little silly. I'm this year saying. they're they're coming up with a spooky <laughs> Halloween, you know, silhouette series, and I'm like, okay, that's. That's a little bit cheesy. That's not really celebrating anything unique or great to America. Um, so are you in his camp or are you in my camp with, <laughs> we should just put anything we want to on a stamp because part of me thinks, let the market decide, right? Like if a stamp comes out and it's not popular, it won't sell. Yeah. I have, when they put them out, you know, when I go to the post, I know I'm a billion years old and I still mail things. <laughs> don't Don't judge. Um, so I go to the post office and I buy stamps and the guy pulls out like the super boring ones. I'm like, I don't want those. Right. Yeah. And then he pulls out the ones that are the cherry blossoms or or some thematic. One year they did yeah. all the reindeer. Right. All the mm-hmm. Santa's reindeer. I love those kinds of stamps. So those are the ones I pick. Well, clearly I'm deciding mm-hmm. with my money which yep. ones are great. Mm-hmm. I'm putting that in air quotes and I'm sorry, listeners, you can't see my air quotes, but I just use some. Um, you know, I, I'm deciding what's great by the way I purchase or don't purchase. Yep. So I'm a, I'm a little, I, I get his point. It, it, I understand that you don't want to make them just any old thing. But by the same token, if you left it to only great things, mm-hmm. then you'd have to decide what's great. And that comes back to your question of who gets to decide that. And apparently it's this little... Well, is it a little group of advisory people or is it a big group? It's pretty big. I, I want to say it's like a, a couple dozen or a dozen or something. Um, so you, you mentioned you know, sort of what's popular and what sells. There was one interesting example, and I think everyone will probably be somewhat familiar with this sort of flashpoint, the most popular. Can you guess, actually, which stamp it was that has been the highest selling ever before? Ever? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm going to guess an Elvis stamp. It was Elvis. Was it Elvis? It was Elvis. I mean, come on, it's Elvis. Mm-hmm. My mother would have bought 400 of them just mm-hmm. by herself, so I'm sure. And they actually, so when this was, when they had that really popular Elvis stamp that came out, they actually were Wait. debating between old Elvis, older Elvis and younger Elvis, and was, they had the public vote. Was Elvis alive at this time, or had he passed? No, I think he had passed, right? Because okay, he, yeah. so that rule has always been in place, that three years past mm-hmm. death rule. Okay. I think so. Oh, yeah. So, oh, no, because older Elvis was not nearly so pretty as younger Elvis. Yeah, so they sent out, the Postal Service actually sent out ballots to people to really? send in to vote on this. And then People Magazine, <laughs> I think, sent out a bunch of ballots, too. Awesome. And they had the people vote. And the people, yes, definitely, they voted for young Elvis. And it was their most popular selling commemorative stamp ever. So there are some things that are, you know, you you know you maybe he wouldn't that I would have objected to this but like that is clearly something beloved in American culture and it showed in the way it's old. Huh. Um, I wonder who would be the Elvis of modern. Gosh, would that even be a thing? Oh, let's not go there because then I'm just going <laughs> to drag us down into a pit of despair. I wonder if they ever did a Beatles stamp. We should look that they up. They did do. I, I found they this. Did? They did a Beatles okay. series. This is one of those interesting examples where. Wait, not. But they're B- not American. B-E-A-T, not B-E-E-T. Mm-hmm. They've probably done the bugs as well, though. They do some flora and fauna, <laughs> which are, is, you know, my, my, my area that I really love those. No, they did some beetle stamps, and it, um, it's interesting. There are some things that are not necessarily American, but that have been highly influential on American culture or that America has influenced. So they did this series of beetle songs that were either, um, you know, titled or inspired by American styles of music or set in America or something um, I think that they recorded, didn't they, in, in Alabama? I think they recorded down there at, at one point mm-hmm. briefly. I want to maybe I have them mixed up with the Rolling Stones. Oh no, oh no, that's terrible. It was the Stones? Was it the Stones? Yeah. Uh, Augie's no. voice from the side of the room. It was the Stones. Sorry, um, I don't, but anyway. Um, so Beatles' last concert was in uh, the states. The yeah. Beatles' last concert. Mm-hmm. Where was it? I want to say either. Shea Stadium in New York or Candlestick Park in San Francisco. Holy cow, big, big Mm -hmm. shows. Um, So the takeaway for us, right, with with stamps is they're cool and they're interesting. You can own it once you buy it. But getting on one, not so easy. Nope. And so my original question about John McCain, Mm -hmm. do I know that astronauts have been on them. Mm-hmm. I know that some Congress people have been on there. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he will eventually be on a stamp. No, definitely not. And, they, and they've done some series before even, you know, he could be released in a whole series of great Americans or something, right. which they've done before. Have they done all the presidents? They absolutely do all the presidents. So and that's Donald kind Trump of where, will be on a stamp at some point. Yes. Um, and, yeah, every... Hey. I'm not, wait, 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 what color is the hair? I'm sorry. Oh, be nice. The thing about being the thing about it being honest. I mean, the thing about it is that the post office is neutral when it comes to the yes. party yep. of the person who has served. Yeah. So this so is where that three-year rule I think even comes from with people who have died is that it that you always make and release a postage stamp three years after the post death. the president's death. Mm-hmm. Okay. So regardless of their party, regardless of anything like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good because that's what they should be, right? If yeah. you were talking about great Americans, you shouldn't be picking 
from parties. You shouldn't be trying to make those kinds of decisions in that way. If everybody can agree that presidents are, by the nature of the presidency, great, then then they should be on there. Cool. Yep. Um, is there anybody who's been on one that I would think really? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think so. I mean, I have I oh, have good. a list here. There's. Hold on, let me pull this up. I was really excited to, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to become a philatelist after this, but I am <laughs> much more into stamps now as a result of this. So I'm going to blame you if that happens. Um, no, I think I, there was I, a... So many blame, blame me for so many things. <laughs> you would just have to get in line. Um, so they've done a famous American series that was in like the 1940s. Um, so it had authors on it. It had, you know, Mark Twain, poets like Whitman educators like Booker T. Washington. They did scientists and composers and inventors and artists. So like they have they have put all kinds of people on stamps. Before. I think Miss Ella was part of that, Ella Fitzgerald. She they do. Or the jazz <laughs> there was a jazz series too, mm-hmm. I think at one point. They've done different and, music and series. And I remember yeah. hers because it was beautifully done. I mean it was mm-hmm. a really good image of her. Yeah. And in the 1978, I believe, and that was the same year, you know, they started um, being copyrighted as well. They started um, a Black Heritage series, and every single year, it started with Harriet Tubman, and every year they have released a new one, a new person in this series as well. So things are becoming more representative of, you know, what America is um, over time. That's good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy that there's nobody that makes me sad that they're on a stamp. <laughs> and, um, you know, like we didn't put you know, a Pol Pot on a stamp or anything like that, <laughs> which I'm grateful for. Um, and I'm glad that we are diversifying because we should be. Mm-hmm. That's part of the melting pot of the United States. And if we can just get the right image of the Lady Lady Liberty on there, that would be mm-hmm. awesome yeah. instead of the one from Vegas. Although there's nothing wrong with Vegas. No. Vegas, but it, it's funny. People will say, I've seen the Eiffel Tower. I saw it in Vegas. I'm like, well, you saw a tiny replica of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. But you know what? We take what we can get. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for coming and talking to us about the copyright on the stamps mm-hmm. and, and about the post office in general. I, I'm, I think I'm amused by your old guy with his, with his prostituting of the post office <laughs> stamps, um, which I think is a kind of an extreme response. But yeah. I also see what he's getting at. And, it's, and it is nice that there is a commemorative aspect to the stamps that it's deliberately commemorative so that we can as a nation look back through and by the way if anybody wants to know we have books in the library in Cabell Library that are um, stamps commemorative stamps over the years Mm -hmm. because the post office puts those out on a fairly regular basis they put those books out and they go to depository libraries Mm -hmm. so if you are wondering if we have them we do and you are welcome to come and look at the older stamps and see the different series that Hillary has talked about today. Thank you so much, Hillary. You're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.